Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian, and this is a really big blast from the past. I am so happy that we are able to do this again from the band Take the Fall. It is Tyler. Tyler, man, I like I said, it just feels like it's been so long. How are you doing, man? Well, uh, now I'm feeling uh, extremely old because I think our <laughs> last uh, last show was about two, three years ago, maybe. Ah, man, I got to tell you, I want to say it was almost four to five years ago. Oh, boy. Uh, that is yeah. that is jar- as jarring as the gray hair in my beard right now. <laughs> that is very well put. <laughs> very well put, sir. But yes, we have talked about doing this for a while, but you got to give me... I guess a little bit of slack because technically the band did break up in 2017. Okay. So that, that is what I thought. (laughs) Um, uh, Apparently we decided to, um, to take a little break um, because we were all at the point where we were uh, touring so much and, and really growing to kind of despise each other as people. Ah. And, uh, you know, we, we all decided collectively that uh, we were going to, you know, just take a break and, and kind of remain friends. And everyone kind of went off and did their own thing for a little bit. And uh, it turns out it was just sort of a uh, temporary hiatus. Right. Yeah, you guys ended up getting back together in 2020. And now you put out the EP, Party With A Purpose, but di- but you did it in like... I want to say, what was it, May or June of 2020? Uh, it was, yeah, it was uh, the first single was May, and then uh, the record came out June 6th. Yes. So it was a little bit under the radar. Did you do that because you knew you wouldn't have to tour? Uh, no, I did that purely out of complete. Um, and, and, you know, I, I love the other guys, but I'm going to go ahead and take full credit. It, it was a complete... Um, you know, quarantine induced manic breakdown where I just said, you know what, we've been sitting on this record for like three years. And I, I had some friends over one night for a very CDC approved gathering. Nice. And, you know, just in the music that was getting played, uh, a buddy of mine who's a huge fan of the band, his name is Brian. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, play us some of the some of the Take the Fall songs you have on the computer. And, um, you know, me being self-indulgent and narcissistic, I said, sure. <laughs> I will play my own band's music at a party at my apartment. Uh, so we ended up listening to to some of these uh, some of these mixes, which that that whole record was, was such a a weird thing because we you know we went and recorded it, we had the mixes done, we went back and forth, all the emails were there, everything was great. We actually ordered physical copies of it. I have about four hundred of them in my closet. Oh wow! Um, and then. After about two months after the the first edition was released, uh, we decided we didn't really like the mixes. We we just weren't. It wasn't where we wanted to be, and it wasn't um, the songs weren't as complete as we wanted them to be. So we said, "Well, let's let's send them to another producer um, and see if he can do anything better with it." Um, and we sent it to. Uh, a buddy of ours from a band called Vanity Strikes. Oh, sure. And uh, his name's Brandon. He's an amazing dude. And he, uh, I mean, he resampled the drums, just did everything to it. Um, and we got those mixes back. And right as right at the time we got those mixes back was when we decided to take a break. So we ended up sitting on this record for like two and a half, three years. And then finally quarantine came around. 
I'm sitting around my apartment all day with my cat. <laughs> and I just, I just kind of got a wild hair and said, you know what? I'm just going to put this record out. I don't care what anybody thinks. Ah, okay. All right. Well, that was, I appreciate the story there. So one of the big things about Party With A Purpose as well is it actually has four songs redone, you know, from Heroes and Underdogs. So the question there was, did you not like the mixes on that first album as well going to the CP? Um, I don't think it was necessarily a question of that. I think, um, you know, I still love Heroes and Underdogs um, as a full record. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love the songs that that we that we put on that record. But it it just kind of it it was after a couple years of of sort of playing those songs live Mm -hmm. that um we sort of took a different direction with the way we were writing and the and the style that we were writing with um and and the songs kind of took on their own life over that two to three years of of touring and and playing shows and and they just sort of took on a different identity to where you know what was on that record was not as identifiable with our band at that point um i mean looking up there's been probably I want to say five or six different iterations of that song um, that was written almost a decade ago. I mean, it it really is like that was the first song we ever put together as a band. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it just it's kind of grown and evolved as we've grown and evolved. So we thought it was kind of a cool thing. And that was the first record um, that we did without Brooks. Uh, We did our first EP and then the full length with Brooks. Right. you know, we were going to a completely different, completely different group with working with Shane Crump from Alisana and, and mm-hmm. uh, Squid and all those guys. Sure. And we were like, this is an opportunity to, like, give those songs new life and, and bring those back. And then obviously adding the new songs in there as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. You definitely I mean, I definitely once I found out about it, I enjoyed going through it multiple times. And that's why, you know, I'm a fan. So the question is, though. <laughs> So you've got the rest of the band. You've got Ashley. You've got Dallas. You've got Aaron. How did they feel about the EP being put out? Loved it, man. Um, you know, we we all kind of kind of sat around and had a uh, a, a sort of group group text going on. I, I obviously didn't release it just by myself and say, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm not going to get the approval of of everybody else. But uh, you know, we we had a whole group text about it and. Um, I had to do a little extra work on on some of the mixes just on my own, just kind of leveling things out. And um, because actually one of the songs that um, that's on the new version, the remix of that got lost somehow uh, on my hard drive, which was Tell Me, um, the first single. So the version of Tell Me that appears on the remixed album is actually still the original mix of Tell Me. Ah. And I just I, I kind of tinkered with it a little bit just to get the levels right on it and everything um, to kind of make it line up with everything else. But, you know, we we had a whole group text about it. And we were like, man, we miss these songs. We miss this record. Like it, everything kind of, you know, life comes at you fast. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, uh, you know, we were just like, man, we miss these these songs and we at least need to get these out and let them see the uh, let them see the light of the day for the. 16 people that will listen to it so <laughs> no man I, I gotcha now you talk about you know kind of leveling things out and and 
going over and kind of producing a little bit on your own. Is that something you're interested in? Is that something you'd like to go into in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, especially with quarantine and everything, the way, the way it's been over the last year and a half, um, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated by the the production side of things and, you know, always sort of wanted a way to, you know, to be able to, to express things at any time. And, Mm -hmm. um, when you're working with producers because you have no idea how to record a record, um, it it can definitely hamper creativity a little bit. So I, I got a little bit of a home studio setup going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on some, working on some stuff at the moment, kind of on the side and, and just having fun with it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not a uh, profession at this point, but, uh, it's definitely a fun hobby for sure. And it's, it's definitely new and exciting for me to, to learn and gives me a lot of respect for the, the producers that we have worked with. Oh, sure. No, no, that's, that's awesome. And by the way, I, I can't go by without saying this. I was going through stuff and I remember the tour that you guys were supposed to be on that we had talked about for a while where you were going to come up to Massachusetts for the first Mm -hmm. time. That was two days. It was, you actually ended or took your hiatus two days before that show. Yep. Hey, yeah, that was exactly (laughs) what happened. Um, I mean, like I said, man, life comes at you fast. And, um, you know, there were, there were some personal, personal dynamic things going on with the band at the time. And, you know, we, we actually dropped off that tour about a week before we announced the hiatus, just because it it took us a week to figure out, you know, what the hell was actually going on. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was really bummed about that. Um, you know, morning and may are, are good dudes. I've interacted with them quite a bit. Um, I don't think we've played with them in the past, but, um, you know, I'm friends with all of them on social media. They seem like super rad dudes and a great band. And uh, unfortunately, we sort of missed out on that one. But uh, and I missed out on a uh, a beer in Boston as well. Multiple beers, probably. That is very true. <laughs> uh, there, there might be a pop or two thrown in there. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I forgot North Carolina. You say pop instead of soda. I, I forgot about that. By the way, <laughs> I actually, I actually gave up soda for a while now. I've been trying not to do that. People always said that's like terrible for you. I was surprised. I don't even get the cravings. Do you have any caffeine stuff? Are you a big coffee guy? So I, I'm definitely a big coffee guy. I did the same thing with soda about two years ago. Oh, wow. um, I, I completely cut it out. You know, I've also been, you know, really big on, you know, trying to get to the gym and, and be reasonably healthy, a.k.a. free up calories for alcohol. Sure. Um. So, you know, I am drinking a lot of water. Uh, my biggest vice, uh, living in the South is sweet tea. Uh, I can never, ever cut it out of my life. And it's the most poisonous thing you can probably put in your body because it's just sugar water and the color (laughs) brown. But, uh, but man, uh, if I could ever get rid of coffee and sweet tea, I would probably be much better off for it. But yeah, I'm about a two to three cup a day coffee guy. Okay. I got you. But you are still, you know, I know quarantine kind of changed things for people. Is have you used that time besides doing some of the producing work that you were, you know, fiddling around with and stuff? Do you also go to the gym and really keep a schedule, or did quarantine actually hamper that? 
So it's been a little unique, Um, you know, with my day job, um, I've actually been in the office the whole time. Um, So and we have a really nice workout facility um, on site. Oh, very. so um, I've been able to keep a pretty consistent schedule with it. The first couple months of lockdown were rough Mm -hmm. uh, because I was working from home in a in a 600 square foot apartment by myself. um, And my life very quickly turned into. A very tiny version of The Shining, uh, very fast. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's it's been it's been good. Probably the last six seven months, I've been on a really consistent schedule with it, and uh, and feeling good, and and coming out of uh, as things are starting to resemble somewhat of normalcy, at least mm-hmm. here in North Carolina. Um, you know, it's it's nice to to come out on the other side feeling healthy and uh, healthy and doing well. Yeah, what do you think for North Carolina? Because you're in Charlotte, right? That's correct. Yeah, in Charlotte, how is that live scene looking? Is that do you foresee shows before the end of the year, or are you thinking, you know? And by the way, did you have any major venues close as well? Because I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Um. So we didn't really, we haven't really seen a whole lot of venue closures, right? Um. At least permanent closures. I think some of the smaller, smaller DIY places. Um, they're, they're sort of hanging on, man. And, and Charlotte's music scene, God love them. They're, they're hanging tough with a lot of the smaller venues, you know, the, the milestones and Tommy's pub and, and so many of these great places that are, that are hanging tough, man. They're doing to go alcohol sales in North Carolina for the first time ever, which has been weird. Wow. Um, you know, bars are able to sell six packs to go and stuff, which growing, Growing up in PA, that was kind of a normal thing that, true, that true. bars could sell. <laughs> um, I actually took a uh, picture of Margarita's home the other night because uh, <laughs> I ordered it at a restaurant and I couldn't drink all of it because it was a full picture of Margarita's. Sure. And uh, <laughs> they, the guy was like, I can just bring you like four to-go cups for it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, mine as well. No, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't think Boston did not do that. I mean the craft breweries stuff like that like they can sell that kind of stuff but you still can't get like basically bars just closed so you couldn't get that kind of if even if ones that had food you still couldn't get six packs or any of that kind of stuff yeah it's it's been an interesting landscape man but i i think uh to answer your original question with with live music i i I think the biggest conflict, we're already starting to see some like local shows pop up and, you know, smaller, smaller venues, socially distanced, mm-hmm. CDC friendly masks, whole nine yards. Um, you know, I, I, I actually live right down the right down the road from the Fillmore in Charlotte oh. um, and the Underground, which are two of our, our largest indoor venues. Right. Um, so we haven't seen really much uh, from them popping up yet. Just because I think right now the national touring landscape is so difficult mm-hmm. because you can only tour if you're Buck Cherry and playing in Birmingham, Alabama. You know <laughs> what I mean? It, uh, or, or saving Abel in, in somewhere in Florida. You right, know, right. It, it, it's really tough right now when you look at, you know, the, the varying artists and their approaches to, to touring right now, as well as the venues and the States and Mm -hmm. national guidelines. I I think probably like a late summer, early fall. Um, I'm really counting on a sad summer fest with uh, all time low in the main. That's supposed to be the end of July in Atlanta. So I'm that, that's what I'm counting for is my uh, return to, to live shows. Oh, okay. So how far of a drive is that for you? Uh, it's about three and a half hours. 
I guess that's not terrible. And I mean, for people like us who have missed shows so much, that's not that bad. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My actually, my last show was all time low uh, in February of 2020. Uh, I drove seven and a half hours to see him in Baltimore at a hundred cat venues. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Now here's a question for all time low, because obviously they've had a lot of sound changes over the years and I've kind of lost track because they've kind of moved into an area of more pop than I, than I care for normally. So mm -hmm. when you go and see them, do they do a whole set throughout their entire career or do they focus mainly on the newer music? It, it's everything, man. Like okay. we, we saw him, Ashley and I actually went up and, uh, and saw him at this show in Baltimore. It was a very, it, they literally put tickets online, uh, for $5 at a hundred cap venue Oh wow! and it sold out in about 12 seconds. And sure. somehow <laughs> we landed two tickets for it Damn. at $5 a piece and grabbed Ashley, jumped in the car, drove to Baltimore and, and their whole set was, it, it really was a career spanning set to the point where, they actually got uh, bullied by the crowd into bringing back coffee shop soundtrack. <laughs> like they were, it was not on their set list. It wow. was not, they did not have the backing tracks ready for it. They, they were not prepared at all. And they kind of played the opening riff mm -hmm. to kind of get the crowd going and just like mess with the crowd a little bit. Yep. And then they stopped playing and the crowd just picked up where they left off and just, and they were like, well, I guess we're playing the song now and play. And it was the only, it was the only time in the past, like five years, I think they've, they've played that song live. Wow. It, it was incredible. Now, like just in general, hearing a song like that, that you don't get a chance to hear that often. And then also hearing it without the backing tracks and just hearing the band kind of play it raw and live. Did you enjoy that more than had they put that on their set list as like, you know, with the backing tracks, with all the production value? Absolutely. I mean, I like, you, you know me, I, I'm a, I'm a good old fashioned punk kid at heart. You know, right. I, I love the, you, you love the mistakes. You love when the drummer doesn't know what part's coming up. You know, <laughs> the, the singer can't remember the lyrics, man, just in that environment. Um, Cause the show was at auto bar in Baltimore, Maryland, <laughs> which the last time they had played that venue uh, they're from Baltimore originally. And last time they played that venue was like 2006, 2007. Wow. And just to be like back in that environment, you know, it, it was just such an organic thing that that no other show on that little tour that they did got to experience that. Right. And, and to be a part of that moment, you know, there with one of my best friends on planet Earth um you know seeing one of our favorite bands and, and to get that moment included in it was even more special exactly yeah man i think that's what i miss and i'm a little bit concerned well not concerned it's just it's just something that comes up but you know with with tours coming back let's say we get back to a normalcy whatever you want to call that you know you have some venues reopen You've got kind of the smaller scenes, you know, because that's our music in most cases. Like, sure, there are going to be some bands we like to see that are in arenas. But in most cases, it's going to be like the, the places you're talking about, like the Fillmore, places like that. It's the same in Boston as well. And our music tastes intersect. So what I'm concerned about is when people come back, they're going to want to go all out. They're going to want to have, you know, the light shows. They're going to want to put on like a show for everybody. But what I've been missing even before COVID was that raw, just get out there and 
if yes, I understand if you have a, you know, you don't have a basis in your band, so you have a bass backing track. Sure. Like, I, I completely understand that. But in general, like, I want people to be able to sing what they're doing in studio. I want people to be able to play what they play in studio. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like you said, our music tastes intersect. And I think our, our opinions on that intersect as well. And, um, you know, I've never been the type of person that goes to that goes to shows to see to listen to the CD yeah. in, a, in a big venue. You know what I mean? It, it's the type of thing that I, I never enjoyed going to shows for, you know, the the production value and the light show and the LED walls and, and everything like that. It, you know, it, it throws me back to uh, like seeing Newfound Glory uh, up in Carborough, North Carolina, mm-hmm. a little venue called the Cat's Cradle. And w- but within the second song, I was somehow thrown up on stage and Jordan's got his arm around me. We're singing <laughs> songs and then he's like throwing me back into the crowd. And and that that's the thing that that I'm also concerned with, uh, along with you, that that, you know, uh, I think barricades ruin so much at shows, man. Sure. I like I, I I love the old stage diving, people up on stage grabbing microphones, <laughs> front flips off the stage. You know that 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 kind of environment's where I come from, and you know I'm hoping that these bands, you know, have had time to to really put a lot of work into their live show, mm-hmm. but keep it more of a live show rather than a live presentation of the CD. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. It's something that bands haven't done in a very, very long time. And I think there's only been a couple that have done it. But I was also hoping that, as you know, there are many shows now that you can buy streaming, you know, and I, I think it was a novelty at the beginning of COVID, where I was like, yes, let me give money to these bands. But as COVID's gone on, I've kind of pulled back a little bit from bands that I've seen many, many times, because in most cases, their live show is going to be that produced show. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only been right. There's only been a couple of uh, bands. And by the way, was that a sneeze? Uh, that was a cough. Yes, oh, sir. sorry. I was going to say bless you. Anyway, sorry. So I, <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to stop a podcast for that. So oh, yeah. I kind of pulled back because those shows seem so produced. And that's never been what I want. So what I've liked is the bands I, you know, like the word alive did a live show. They did a live, actual live performance. And you could tell that it was a live performance compared to anything else. So what I would really love to see as well, if people bring back this real live show, the differences in the tracks that they, that they decide to play would also be, why not record your full set and then put it out for the different venues that you're in and let people buy that for five bucks. And then you can collect from all these different shows and it gives you something unique instead of something that everyone sees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with that 1000%. I mean, I, you know, I, I think one of my favorite ideas that, that actually came out of COVID was uh, Hawthorne Heights did a, did a uh, quarantine tour Yes, where they went to like ten different venues, set up, played a live show, and filmed it and and sold it online. But they there was obviously nobody at the shows. Right. Um, I I'd love to see something like that. I, I'm a kind of weird guy in that I prefer, 
I think I prefer live albums to studio albums. And there's not a, in, in our scene, there's not a whole lot no, of live albums. There's there, not. <laughs> there just really are not a lot. Um, and I don't understand it because there, it's so easy to to make it happen. You know, to to run a recorder to the soundboard, tune everything up a little bit, sure. obviously, and and it, it just seems like it's sort of a, a missing art. And I go back to you know. 06, 07, a lot of bands were putting out live records. And yep. I was like, man, I just, I miss this vibe of like the, you get the crowd interaction and the stage banter. And um, it just adds so much more. And I, I think going along with your idea that, you know, hey, we're going to have like a socially distanced crowd, but we're going to play this live show and film it. And you're going to get everything on it, whether, right. you know, my guitar strap breaks or, you know, the singer falls on their ass, you know, whatever <laughs> happens, uh, you know, you're going to get all of it. Yes. No, man, we're on the same page. I, I want that. I want that uniqueness back. I think that's something that has been missing from the scene for so long. And I keep thinking about it and I keep on trying to figure out ways to either not let it bother me or to change things. And it just doesn't seem to I don't know. It doesn't seem to go away. It seems like everyone constantly wants to be like someone else. And to me, that's never been the case in the scene. But now it's every single person wants to be the same. Where did the uniqueness go? Yeah, man, it, it, it's it's funny because I'm sure like me, you get a lot of uh, targeted social media ads. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with it, with that <laughs> environment of things. But I, you know, I get all the music and check out you know, check out your new favorite band. We sound exactly like X, 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 Y, and Z band, you know? And, and (laughs) I'm like, man, why, why would you want to, to go ahead and pigeonhole yourself in that? You know, it's, um, it's really a unique environment that we're in right now where everybody's looking for, everybody's looking for clicks and streams. And can we get on a Spotify playlist with other bands that sound like us? (laughs) And, you know, it, it, it throws me back to, to when we started Take the Fall. And, yeah. you know, I just wanted to I just wanted to, like, drink beer and jump off of stuff and, and be rowdy with my friends. And, you know, it, it turned into a uh, turned into a nice little project. But um, I, I think that was another thing, too, with with our writing that that we were never really pigeonholed into a single into a singular sound. You know, we right. we garnered comparisons for, to everyone from. Taylor Swift to Newfound Glory to Paramore <laughs> to uh, whoever else, you know, it, it, it was really, we actually, uh, somebody asked, uh, we, we did a radio interview in Greenville, South Carolina mm-hmm. and they had, it was like a judging, like battle of the bands kind of competition. Ah. And then the winning band got to do an interview and got to play their whole song, whatever. Nice. And one of the, one of the guys judging was a NASCAR driver. I want to say it was Kyle Larson or, or somebody. But uh, he like when they started our song, he was like, is this Taylor Swift? And (laughs) I got a huge kick out of that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would definitely understand the Paramore thing, because anyone who hears a female fronted band with some type of guitar thinks Paramore. That's something we've never we've never gotten rid of that, unfortunately, even though there are so many bands in the scene that are female fronted. But people still like to say the exact same thing, even though. You guys don't sound like Paramore, but people will still say it. 
I always took it as a, as a massive compliment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in a different, different landscape as far as that goes. Um, you know, it, to me, that was always like one of the greatest things I could hear. I mean, like Paramore's an amazing band. I love them to death. They were, um, you know, Haley's incredibly talented and like to, to be even put in the same conversation as that, I would, I would always kind of be on the side, like, eh, we sound kind of more like, Hey Monday, but you know, (laughs) I'll, I'll take the comparison. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, look, saying Paramore is not a negative thing. I mean, for me, I wouldn't take what Paramore is now as a positive. But that's just that's, that's just accurate. Me. That's very accurate. Yeah, but the past stuff. But what I'd have to take your what I have to take your word for is being excited about the Taylor Swift thing. Since I really don't listen to any Taylor Swift, I'm assuming it's because she's so popular that that's why that's a positive, right? Yeah, I mean, it it was just more more comedy value to me. It, oh, sure. it was it was one of those comparisons that was just so stunningly bad that it was hilarious <laughs> to me at the time. Well, how did Ashley feel about it? She got a she got a pretty good kick out of it too. Um, you know, we're we're both pretty big Taylor Swift fans. Um, admittedly, I I just said that on a podcast, <laughs> so we're gonna have to go ahead and edit that out edit. real quick. Edit that in post. Yeah, um, we'll we'll cut it in post, but uh, no, we're both pretty big Taylor Swift fans, and and she's you know amazing, uh, you know generational type of talent, and you know again to garner any comparison, there there's got to be some positives to be taken out of that. No, I got you, and and we'll obviously as this goes on, we're going to be talking about how bad your taste is in general. So I, I totally <laughs> get, I totally get that. <laughs> It's it's not coronavirus, I promise you. I my my sense of taste is still very much intact. Ah, uh, well, so you're a Philadelphia Flyers and regular like pretty much everything from Pennsylvania fan in most sports, right? Uh everything from the eastern side of Pennsylvania. I okay. don't want to get into my negative negativity towards uh Pittsburgh sports teams because I do love the city of Pittsburgh, but right. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything Philly, Flyers, Eagles, Sixers, Phillies. Gotcha. Um, I kind of half-heartedly support the Charlotte teams because I live here, but, right. uh, the, the go-to is all Philly teams. Okay. And then somehow you're an Arsenal fan for soccer, right? Uh, Arsenal and Burnley. Yes. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 that, well, the the Burnley side of it is is I have family from that area. Oh, okay. uh, my my mom's side of the family's from from that area. Um, Arsenal actually started uh, when I was like ten years old because I saw a jersey and I liked it and I was like <laughs> I don't know sure. who this jersey is. I don't watch soccer. Um, and I bought the jersey, did some research, and I'm like, well, I bought the jersey, so I'm a fan of this team now. <laughs> I mean, hey, that is the story of a lot of people. But you have been a fan for a while, though. That that's correct. Uh, yeah. Going back to like, I, I think the the first seasons I really really watched were sort of the the Thierry Henry, uh, Arsene awesome. Wenger days when Arsenal was actually good. you know a, a half decent, <laughs> uh, half decent franchise. Sure, that was a good time. I think you might be waiting a little bit longer to get back to those glory years. That's for sure. But I guess we all have to worry about that. So. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But it is still cool that you do like some type of Premier League team. Oh, yeah. It's Saturday and Sunday mornings, man. It's it's that that and F1 keep me going on weekends. So uh, 
<laughs> huge, huge F1 fan. I hate every other form of racing, but uh, man, F1, F1 gets me going on Sundays at like 6 a.m. Wow. Well, I tell you, that is that is something I know nothing about. I know absolutely <laughs> nothing about any type of automobile, whatever type of racing. I have no idea. <laughs> and if you if you want a recommendation, uh, despite my poor taste, uh, Drive <laughs> to Survive on Netflix is uh, is a fantastic docu series. They've got okay. three seasons out now. Um, it's all the ins and outs of F one. You know, you got your your drivers, your radio communication, mm-hmm. all the inside the garage. Um, it's completely uncensored too, which is fantastic. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, really, really great series. Um, it's on Netflix. Very well done by them. So why F one over the other stuff like NASCAR? Uh, it it's really just like it, it is truly the pinnacle of kind of world world auto racing, and I'm trying to say this without sounding like a, a auto racing snob. Um, I live in the, the auto racing capital of the United States with NASCAR. And I never really got into NASCAR, man. It's mm-hmm. there's like five different series. There's the, the smaller series and there's the truck series. Then there's the Arca series and, and all these other things. Whereas F1 it's, it's worldwide. They do a, a different race in a different part of the world. Every single weekend, ah. they're in a different, different city, different country. Um, and then, you know, getting into, you know, the teams are all multinational and they actually have to build design and build their own cars within Uh, regulation. So it leads to a lot of disparity within the teams, you know, the big money teams obviously are the best performing teams, your Mercedes, your Red Bulls, the teams that don't have the financial backing kind of struggle for the best of the rest title and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's, there's so much parody in the series. And the great thing is these drivers are anywhere between 20 and, and 34 years old. And there's 20 seats in F1 and that's it. Those, oh, so wow. there are 20 F1 drivers in the entire world. Huh. Um, and it, it really is kind of the crown jewel of, of any kind of auto racing. Wow. Well, I might have to, you actually sold me. I might have to check out that <laughs> series then. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Well, then I think, I mean, we're already over the 30 minute mark and we haven't even gone over one of the things that we said we were going to talk about. So I think right now that's a perfect segue talking about your taste in things. (laughs) One of the things that Tyler, for everyone listening, one of the things that Tyler and I have often gone back and forth on is when we talk about movies. And one of the big movies that I have had a visceral reaction to, as many people who listen to the shows know, is the Snyder Cut of <laughs> Justice League. Now, Tyler says, I'm ready, man. you say you're ready for this. Let me, let me, I, I don't even want to ruin it from the start, but I want to at least ask this question. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the Snyder Cut in general, are you talking about the comparison between that and the original cut of the movie, or are you talking about it just as a superhero movie? So I, I kind of take it at both angles. Um, okay. So I, I just want to paint a, a brief picture Please to do. touch yeah. on the first part, which is comparing it to the 2017 version. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the date was Saturday, November 25th of 2017. <laughs> Okay. At approximately seven oh five p.m. 
at a movie theater in Charlotte, North Carolina, a very fresh faced 28 year old Tyler <laughs> decides to go see the Joss Whedon version of Justice League. Now, as now, an, keep in now, mind, by the way, as an <laughs> adult, you've already made a very poor decision. Correct. <laughs> uh, and this is, I mean, this is coming off of the, the, successes of the Nolan trilogy, which I won't get into my love of the Nolan trilogy. I Oof. just watched those the other night. Uh -oh. Um, so I arrive at the movie theater about seven o'clock, mm -hmm. me and my friends, uh, paid a total of $36 between the ticket beer and popcorn. And I fell asleep at seven thirty four PM in the movie theater. <laughs> So that's $36 that Joss Whedon cost me that I am never going to get back in my life. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Now, by the way, so that's why, where, wait, wait a second. Why don't you blame Warner Brothers? I still, we didn't go into this on, on the show that we did, the almost three hour long dissection of the Snyder Cut. We didn't even really go into this. But Josh Whedon wasn't the problem. Warner Brothers are the ones that took Zack Snyder out because of how terrible his record is with making good movies. So they're the ones that were like, wow, this is a piece of garbage. Now let me bring in Josh Whedon. So why blame uh, Whedon? It, it's a little bit of both um, because Snyder did step away on his own accord because of the, the death of his daughter, um, which right, was right. horrifically unfortunate. Right. Um, but they they brought in Joss Whedon, who, from all accounts of everybody that was on set, is not a good person. So I'm already not inclined to like the movie as much in general. But you didn't um, know that I, back I then. Did, I did not know that back then. Right, just um, saying. Okay. I, I do harbor some blame on that to the the Warner Brothers executives, um, because clearly the the masterpiece that they put out <laughs> was an absolute bomb and lost them like hundreds of millions of dollars i mean they it, it was a complete flop and then they decide to spend 70 more million to uh to go back to the original version i guess and now i heard i read reports as well that the whedon cut wasn't even the whedon cut because there was 30 more minutes on that that warner brothers took out before it was actually put out but i didn't know that it lost some money i thought all the dc yeah. rubes still went and saw it uh, they did, um, but it was still a relative commercial failure. Um, give okay. me one second. I'm going for the. Uh, I had the. I had the research pulled up. Oh, nice. for how I much like it actually lost, but uh, give me one moment. This is great for a podcast. Oh no, no, hey, post. we're shooting the shit. <laughs> I am completely fine with this. <laughs> but now I will say, as you know, just so the people listening know, if they hadn't listened before, I did not see the original cut so when we did when uh myself and nick did the ian hates movies for snyder cut i think nick had seen it but i did not so this was really and actually he might not have even i don't even really remember but we went into this just judging it as a movie itself so i did want to shout out nick actually because he also fell asleep uh seeing the theatrical cut ah well. okay there we go okay <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the the theatrical cut it was it made six fifty world six hundred and fifty million worldwide. Wow! Um, and the break even point on it was seven hundred and fifty million. Holy so, crap! You know, a nice cool hundred million dollar loss on that. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't think it should have made 650 mil to begin with, but then to even have a loss on that is pretty crazy. Right. Absolutely. So let's get into the Snyder Cut okay. on the on the movie scale of things. Okay. I'm taking control of the show, by the way. Now. No, no. So I'm we're, we're just, we're believe me. <laughs> I, need a, I need a break. Go ahead. You got this. This is, this is now Tyler's Untitled Scene Show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So here, here's my thing on, on Snyder Cut, right? I watched it the first night it came out. I put it on at about 1030 at night. Terrible idea. Don't do that. Uh, especially when you when you do have to work the next morning. I did not realize it was a four-hour movie. Ah. And I, I'm on the level. It's funny because in your episode, you, you guys talked a lot about, you know, the sort of polarized reactions that you've either got the the DC fanboys that, you know, absolutely love it, or you've got the people normal that people. think it's the worst thing ever created. People with taste, As yes. you call them, normal people. Yeah. <laughs> I fall almost smack in the middle on it. Okay. Now, uh, the the positive spin on it is that it is a million and a half times better than the than the theatrical cut, which almost almost got me to the point where you were in Dawn, after seeing Dawn of Justice, where you're like, uh, I'm done with DC, I'm out. <laughs> sure. Like we can we can both agree Dawn of Justice was a terrible movie. Wait, wait, wait. That was was that Batman v Superman? Correct. I completely even forgot that it had another tagline on it. Yes, that was the movie that told me this company is not going anywhere. That's correct. Some background on me personally. I grew up on like the Super Friends cartoon show as a kid, right? Sure. The, the, the original Hanna-Barbera Justice League cartoon show, mm-hmm. right? Every Saturday morning. And this was this was sort of my event. This was supposed to be my Avengers moment where it's like, <laughs> It's the first time seeing Batman, Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's oddly muscular Aquaman, <laughs> like all of these heroes on the big screen for the first time. It, it threw me back to the first time I saw, you know, the first Avengers movie and how excited I was for that. Sure. And then it was such a massive bomb mm-hmm. that even when I went back and watched it, and I had also paid an additional two ninety nine to rent it a year later oh. and watch the original cut of Justice League and actually made it through the whole movie. Wow. I can't tell you a single thing that happened in it, honestly. But <laughs> uh you know it's it, it was supposed to be that like that moment for me as like an adult getting my childhood just like vomited back in my face, if you will. Sure. And it was so bad that like I'm a huge Batman nerd. I am a like 1000% diehard Batman fan. The Nolan trilogy, I think, did it justice. It may not have been the best. I don't know if you've had episodes on the Nolan trilogy oh, or not. But... Yeah, you don't want to hear my opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we have an episode where I did all three. So you might want to go back to that and then we'll have another conversation. Oh man, I can't wait. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to look that up. Probably I'm going to go to sleep to that tonight. So it's fresh in my brain. Nice, nice. um but yeah man it it just like the snyder cut has lived rent free in my head for about three and a half four years it 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 was the type of thing where i was never one on twitter posting release the snyder cut i never really was super passionate about it um but it was one of those things that i'd be like man i really wonder how much how much different that movie could be okay I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, you know, it, it 
it honestly it told a a much more cohesive story from front to back obviously sure. with Zack Snyder's flair for 30 <laughs> second scenes every two minutes that don't matter to the rest of the movie but yes, yes. um you know it, it it really told a much more cohesive story you know you brought back the character arcs for the flash um cyborg you know all these characters that kind of got cut out of the original um you know brought back the story arcs that when you're talking about a justice league franchise and i obviously don't know that we are sure are so important to the building of that franchise and that's that's my thing with this movie is that i think it only works if there's a continuation from it right so do you so when you and i i can get behind that i mean obviously I know what happened in the original Justice League because of how many people have talked about it. I know the plot lines. I know a lot of the edits that were made, a lot of the jokes that were inserted, obviously the whole thing with the CGI mustache of Superman, all that kind of stuff. I I know that for sure. But when you listen to the episode, what could Nick and I possibly have said that was wrong about justice league just as a movie itself i i think uh i think the 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 first the first kind of thing that i took issue with was the slow-mo being uh considered lazy filmmaking why um i i need to know I, that for I, I think sure. it i i think it's great man i i think it, it adds so much to those fight scenes that like you know, to to take the Avengers, for instance, some of those fight scenes happen so fast, you have no clue what's going on, right? The uh, Well, here, just one thing, and not to be a Marvel defender, because that is not the point of any of this. <laughs> what I've enjoyed about Marvel movie, and believe me, there are, and I have to say this, it's almost like you have to defend yourself all the time, because <laughs> people just assume if you don't like DC movies, then you love everything that Marvel does. And that's certainly not the what? case with me. So. What I like about their fight scenes normally is that they're actually fighting at a normal speed. So I'm not talking about like a laser blast or anything like that. I'm talking about hand-to-hand combat and even like even some of the stuff Spider-Man does and all that kind of stuff. It's shot in a regular speed for the viewer that's going faster in the actual universe that they're in. That's that's the way I feel about it. So it's harder to put those things together than to slow everything down because that's why it's lazy to me is that there's no talent in doing that. You can slow anyone down and make it look good in a fight. To keep things to regular speed, that's difficult to do. For sure, absolutely. And and you know, Zack Snyder, God love him, he knows how to frame a scene. And I and I think that that honestly yeah, in four, some three. of the yeah some of the uh you know some of those action sequences you know the the wonder woman in slow-mo or the flash in slow-mo is is the slow-mo necessary i don't think so is it like super cool and i like get stoked on it absolutely (laughs) well by the way when you mentioned wonder woman you forgot to scream that whatever la 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 sound in the back so that you <laughs> yeah the uh, as as you put it the the racist amazonian it was very racist in the background. it was super racist <laughs> i got i got a pretty good kick out of that uh, oh. yeah no i the one thing i can't defend in Snyder cut and i'll say this right off the bat is mm. the score is is absolutely Oof. awful the music is terrible in it yeah. i know you guys touched on it for 
about 43 minutes uh, in the episode. <laughs> um, but man, I, I don't know what indie band they hired uh, to write the song right. for that. But uh, that man, was it was, yeah. The, uh, so I one of the things that I love the most about the Nolan trilogy is the score on it. Um, sure. You know, the the it just adds so much. And there's not a whole lot, if any, that I can think of actual songs used in no. the Nolan trilogy. It, it's all mostly a classical score. Yeah, it's classical score and what Nolan does in every movie. Boom. <laughs> boom, boom. The, the ominous, the ominous <laughs> C chord. Yes. Yes. Over and over and over and over at every impactful moment. And I'm not going to lie, I absolutely love it. Well, do you also love the processing of Batman's voice? You know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm torn because all I could hear when they in my head when they announced Ben Affleck as Batman, I've been very conflicted on Ben Affleck as Batman. Okay, because all, right. all I could hear was his Boston accent. Oh sure, he's like, oh no, kid, it's the Joker. Like we got to move the back Kyle. Let's go. Like that's I would love all that, I could hear. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. And if Matt Damon's not Robin, I quit. Like hands, oh, fan hands down. Fantastic. See, right there, you just solved all DC problems. Right there. <laughs> take, take a bow, like, sir. Take a bow. <laughs> go, go back to like the campy, the campy TV show vibe, but with Boston accents. Campy I'm already TV, there. Campy TV show vibes, Boston accents, and then the uh, nipples in the breastplates. Oh, gotta have the bat nipples. Absolutely. Yeah. Batman and Robin. I think my voice cracked when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it should have. It should have for even mentioning that movie. Oh, I can't believe I even remember it. That's that's how good that is. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't Uma Thurman Poison Ivy? That's correct. Yes. I mean, I, look, I like me some Uma Thurman. I was talking to Nick the other day, and I said, we talk about all these superhero movies about what's better and what's your top blah, 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 blah list, and no one has Super Ex-Girlfriend on their list. I'm like, what the fuck is that about? Oh, that's a solid pull. It has been a really long time since I've seen that movie. It's not good, but it's like if you <laughs> haven't seen it in a while, you're just like, all right, they were they were playing with some concepts there that I get because that movie came out Probably before the Marvel Universe started, I would think. Maybe somewhere yeah, it, in that time, possibly. Yeah, it might have been around the time of the first, maybe just before the first Captain America, something oh, like that. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, so right there, I mean, they were kind of doing their own thing, which I appreciate. You know, I'll, I'll give them credit for it for sure. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Sidetrack as we normally do. Now, what else was an issue for you? Because I'm still, I'm still confused. You seem like a level-headed person right now. Like I would, I would say, wow, Tyler, knowing him for so long, he seems like an intelligent guy, you know, everything's fine. But once I heard you talking about the Snyder Cut online, I was like, uh-oh, is this COVID? What has happened to his brain? But you seem level-headed right now. So you got to hit me with something. What, what makes you want to defend besides, you know, you're watching Saturday morning cartoons and stuff? What makes you want to defend this movie? I, I just like, first of all, I want to point out that all of your assumptions about me being level-headed are completely wrong. I oh, want to go okay. ahead and throw that out there. Hey, uh, there's a first the time record. for everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I, I go into movies with a very, uh, very, very open mind and not a very critical mind. And 
you know, the I, I've had a lot of debate online and we can certainly get into it on another episode uh, <laughs> with Godzilla versus Kong ah, and sure. any Godzilla movies. Die hard, die hard Godzilla fan since childhood, since it was a dude in a suit <laughs> and they were the worst movies ever made and they're still amazing. Um, but, you know, so many people go in looking for, you know, oh, was, did every scene flow directly into the next scene? Did, you know, did this happen and did this happen? Was, is the slow-mo unnecessary, so on and so <laughs> forth. And I just look at I always look at it from like, how do I feel when the movie was over? Yes. I have never watched a four-hour movie in my lifetime. Really? Okay. Until the Snyder Cut. That's okay. that's a true statement. The closest I got was three and a half hours in the theater for uh, Endgame. Oh, sure. Okay. And... My my first thought is like, how do I feel as soon as that movie's over? Do I feel fulfilled? Did I enjoy the movie? Mm -hmm. And my answer to Endgame, obviously, I was crying like a baby in the movie theater. Sure, you know it it, it was such a fantastic experience. Snyder cut. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't say it's on the level of Endgame in in that regard. Phew. But I watched a four hour movie, and my first reaction was not. Oh my God, it's 2.30 in the morning. I just watched a four-hour movie. <laughs> my first thought at the end of it was, wow, I want to watch that again. No, I want more of that. That's not possible. That, that was absolutely the first thought the second the movie was over. I actually watched it uh, the next night with a friend of mine oh, who also loved it. My God. Um, what is going on in and, North Carolina? And, I don't get this. Man, it's, it's got to be something in the water here. That's uh, I'm sweet vaccinated, tea. so we know it's not the corona. No, it's that fucking <laughs> sweet tea. It's rotted your oh, brain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's just like, it, I don't know. It's it, it's one of those things that like, I guess I have a hard time being critical of certain movies, especially when you compare them to other trash versions of the same movie. Okay. Um, I haven't really been in that situation too often, but um, you know, it, it just honestly, I enjoyed how the plot came together. It even in my mind, and this is this is where you just go ahead and hang up the phone now and just let me keep <laughs> talking. In my from my perspective, because I went back after I watched the Snyder Cut, mm -hmm. I went back and watched Man of Steel, which I had not oh, seen before, oh. uh, and I rewatched the. I guess the the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. Oh I watched God. them all, all three in order. This is this oh, is how holy like holy shit. This is everything that I did to prepare for for this show. Ian, <laughs> this is what I put myself through. I sat through just eight hours of DC vomit everywhere. Well, right, exactly, and it honestly tied everything together. To where it resembled the close to the Snyder trilogy and also the opening to the potential, we don't know if it's gonna happen, Snyderverse. And it may, in my mind, the Snyder cut of Justice League made Batman v Superman a slightly better movie. It's not, that's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> it is possible when it's that terrible of a movie in the first place. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So I will die defending this part. There is nothing in Batman v Superman that sets up Batman wanting Superman back alive. 
There is nothing because that's one thing the Snyder Cut does for a long time is basically have Batman saying we got to have, you know, that stupid line about the um, uh, the red flag. It's like, why would you want? I think Alfred's talking to Batman. He's like, you know, why would you want to get a red flag to, to tempt the bull? And Batman says, because this flag fights back. Some bullshit, dumb fucking line. It's horrible. Right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. So there is nothing in Bat- Batman v Superman. The only reason why they coexist is because of that dumbass Martha line. Finding out that they both have the same mother's first name. It's still one of the dumbest things in that movie is, history. That I will back you on 1000%. So then here's my question to you. So, of course, in Batman v Superman, you've got the little stealthy detective, which was like the first thing they've done in forever with Batman to show that he is kind of intelligent and tries to work to get things. He goes into Lex's computer and he steals the files so that he knows who Wonder Woman is, the Flash and Cyborg. Right. So Mm -hmm. that we knew about. But then the still Batman has no reason to want Superman back. He doesn't owe Superman anything. It was, by the way, Lois Lane and Superman's fault for him losing to Doomsday in the first place. It had nothing to do with Batman. So still, there is no reason for Batman to feel the guilt, especially because everyone in the entire world hated Superman until he died. There was no reason to bring him back. So why does that movie still make anything tie into each other? (laughs) Because then Steppenwolf and his good old buddy Darkseid, who didn't even exist in the original cut, show up. Right. And they're threatening to destroy the whole planet. And there's only one person that can stop them. Guess who it is? Superman. But let's not forget, and this has been a joke for forever, probably even since you were watching as a kid. The Justice mm-hmm. League is a funny, it's like, oh, that's super cool to have all your super friends together. You know, that's like a fun concept to go with. But in these movies, Superman is Justice League. There is there is no reason to have anyone else except for Superman. So all Batman has done is said, hey, we need a team together because we need a team together because we're going to be able to do something about it. And then realizes he's a failure and has to lean on Superman. And that is not the way the comics made it. That's not the way past media made it. So to me, it's actually kind of kicking your boy Batman a little bit by saying, oh man, he realizes he can't do anything, so he needs Superman to win. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally get that take on it. And and you know, with with respect to the the you know whole universe that they're trying to set up or, or have set up with, with these movies, it, it it's a different take on the on the Batman character, if you will. Sure. You know, it's a uh it, it's you know an older grizzled batman who's who's kind of over everybody's shit you know what i mean and um it's the type of thing where you know i think that's why we need more of it i don't think it's a complete it's that's why it's not a complete close on the trilogy you know it's not Zack snyder putting the rubber stamp down and going okay we're never doing anything again with this obviously the whole point of justice league was to set up another movie or you know a a further franchise going down the road um 
but you know that it gets into so many of those things of like okay what happens if dark side does control superman all of a sudden like everything's going to shit and how are you gonna like how are any of these people gonna do anything to stop it you know what i mean and you know you've got wonder woman and her powers and you've got cyborg you know badass and you know (laughs) all of these characters they're gonna have to find a way to stop superman that obviously if you the flash goes back in time the flash goes back in time and saves lois lane from being killed which sets superman off and blah 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 (laughs) i just wrote that that's exactly what they're going to do exactly (laughs) and i'm gonna love every minute of it because it's big it's flashy there's a lot of cool CGI not there was involving. Not, there was not any good CGI. DC does not have any good CGI. <laughs> well, I mean, if it, if you want to if you want to go back and look at uh, look at Henry Cavill's upper lip in the original Justice League, it's it's a riot, man. It is. No, no, it's very funny. I have seen I have seen little clips of that. That is true. But that's what I'm saying, and that's a joke I've made forever. Is that DC must have children and interns doing their cgi (laughs) because i guess marvel hired all of them like anyone who's any talent who had like any talent marvel has hired them because dc is the worst cgi of any company like even kong versus godzilla had much much better i believed what was going on there more than i would believe anything that happens in a dc movie that makes sense i mean it you know when it when it all boils down to it in mind, it it's it it not meant to be believable. You know what I mean? It's a superhero movie. Should, should Batman have probably like ate shit during Batman v Superman? Yeah, absolutely. But that <laughs> obviously doesn't set up you know a further further franchise after that because then Superman goes on a world destroying rampage and that's pretty much the end of all of it. You know. Well, what I would say is so once again. If you go by comic books, right, if you go by Mm -hmm. storylines that have been done, there are, and I'm not saying they're the greatest storylines of all time or anything, but there are reasonings behind the things that happen. Like, let's take Justice League for either version. There is no reason why when Superman comes back to life, he would start hurting people. There's legitimately no reason whatsoever. That's not how amnesia works that's not how anything works there is no reason why he would just start attacking people well the the way i look at that though and and i know you guys made that point on the uh on the episode as well um you know the the way i kind of look at that like you know i don't think it's necessarily an amnesia type of thing but when you look at it superman essential before he's like before he comes to if you if you think about what like what superman is is it would like where his headspace is at right mm-hmm. he's just woken up shirtless for some reason in the middle of a park surrounded by other metahumans that he doesn't know and his last memory prior to that is getting stabbed in the heart with a kryptonite spear not the best way to wake up if you ask me sure but then if you're also as strong as he is there's no reason to fight because you know you're better than everybody. So I don't know. I look, I know we're arguing semantics right now, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, storyline wise, I think something better could have been written in there. Like I know he wanted, I know the point was 
oh, let's show them fighting because that's cool. Look, Civil War did it. Civil War did it better. Marvel's done all that better. But Justice League wanted to have that moment and say, hey, look, we've got Superman versus the entire Justice League, and he's going to make fools out of the entire Justice League, which still kind of ruins the concept of having the Justice League. But anyways, besides that, it's still <laughs> it's still an issue. I, I just think it could have been written, like maybe you wanted to have Lois Lane, Lois Lane there already or something, and she's surrounded by the superheroes saying, get away from her, like, hey, calm down, he might not know what's going on. And then he's like, uh-oh, Lois, because obviously the point is that Lois, for some reason, is the main person in all these movies, which still doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I don't know how she's not billed higher as, as an actress. Um, I mean, it's it's literally just the, the movie should have been called Batman versus Lois Lane, like Dawn of Justice. I mean, it's <laughs> unreal, like how much of a how much of a thing. And I, and I think a majority of my opinion boils down to the last five minutes. of, And I bought into Warner's clickbait. I really oh. did. And I. I, I'm ashamed to admit it because I immediately, as soon as that movie went off mm-hmm. after the after the seventh installment yeah, yeah. of the movie, the, the Lord of the Rings ending, yes, Return of the King, yes, yeah. Like my immediate thought was, I need a Jared Leto Joker Ben Affleck movie to explain all of the shit that they just threw at me in a three minute monologue. <sighs> Yeah, because they can do obviously you've got the (laughs) sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you've got the alternate timeline. You've got like basically a nuclear holocaust happening in the background. You've got Superman that's just on a tear. Obviously, Lois Lane died because of Batman somehow. Right. Robin's dead. Harley Quinn's dead. The Joker's there. So much better than the Suicide Squad version. Just want to throw that out there. Like props to Jared Leto. He's well. Jared Leto's awesome. He is. He is awesome, and I'm. Glad that a three-minute monologue could redeem the entire train wreck that was Suicide Squad. Uh, (laughs) But it just, like, it immediately made me want more, not only of that movie, but of further movies. And it's entirely possible that this is a standalone deal. I hope so. There's, there's, (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) Like, there, there's no guarantee that that Zack Snyder is going any further with this. Right. But it set up the possibility for it. And I think that's what I bought into is not I, I look at it more from a standpoint of potential versus, you know, oh, the CGI was a little corny at 42 minute mark of the movie. You know, oh, no, no. It, it, from start to finish, <laughs> start to finish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I get it. Well, here, let me let me tell you this, though. And I think people get this kind of confused because anytime, anytime someone takes an issue with a review or something like that, when I go into watching a movie, because I watch lots and lots of different types of movies, and I watch lots of shitty movies that I still end up liking, I don't go into a movie with a pen and paper going, I'm going to write down all the bad stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm actually not looking for that whatsoever. I, I was honest on that review where I, I said to myself before watching the movie, I said, what if I like this? What if this changes in my entire opinion on DC movies and Zack Snyder? Like what if that happens? I was open 
to that kind of thing happening. It just didn't because I did not end that movie going like, wow, that was good. Let's let's watch it again. I was seriously thinking about killing myself during the movie because I wouldn't have to continue. <laughs> That's my mind was so annoyed with everything going on. I was thinking, if I kill myself, would that be justified? Like if I if I wrote a suicide note saying I couldn't make it past hour number two, please Warner Brothers never let Zack Snyder make another DC movie with the sacrifice of my life make that possible. That's how much I hated this movie. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Man, that is ultimately extremely harsh. I oh, mean, that's what I do. You know, that's what I do. I, I, I feel like I, you do hate everything. So, you know, that, <laughs> that does make a lot of sense. Or is that the, is that the other guy? That's the other guy. You're forgetting. You're talking to Ian. Uh, well, actually, Ian Hates has been coming in and out of this. <laughs> I'd say the first the first 35 minutes of this was Ian's scene, and then the last bit of this has all been Ian Hates. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Just trying to figure out which uh, which cut I'm getting of the, uh, the Ian's Untitled podcast. And remember this, too. I know we've talked about this in the past as well. The whole Ian Hates gimmick was always because of the opposite. So when you look at the Ian, when you look at Ian hates and you look at Ian hates movies, ninety percent of those movies I love. It's there's only certain movies that I don't like. Most of those movies, <laughs> if you look back, they're all movies I love. Yeah, because that's that's the way I wanted to do it. But for some reason, as much as I try, I cannot get into DC movies. I I just can't do it. I feel that, and 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 I kind of exist on the same wavelength with you with a lot of those movies. Right. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for the Nolan trilogy. I guess it just hit me at the right time. Sure. You know, the Suicide Squad was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> I don't think the Zach, the Zach Gunn version is going to be any better. I don't think so either. You know, I'm not wholeheartedly really excited about the entire franchise as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this movie, for whatever reason, um, you know, call it call it the COVID crazies or what have you. Um, you know, it just, it, it was one of those that like, I went in with no expectations and came out, you know, sort of with a shrug and like, eh, seven out of 10. I kind of liked it. Gotcha. Well, by the way, before anyone, I think I said this in the episode too, before anyone just is like, oh, this guy hates DC. He'll never like anything. I love Doom Patrol. So shove it up your asses. Oh, Doom, Doom Patrol was solid. Yeah. I love I love that version of Cyborg. Like I would prefer that version of Cyborg over the one we got in the movie. I like that kind of weird, you know, whatever dimension or reality they're in. That's the kind of shit I like. So I will be, I have purchased, you know, the Blu-ray of, of Doom Patrol. I support that. I hope they make more seasons. I have HBO Max because I hope they do that too. So it's not because of DC that I don't like things. It's because of what DC does, which is why I don't like things. But holy crap, dude, I just noticed we are at like uh, almost an hour 15 now. <laughs> that we are. That we are, man. Oh, all right. We were, we were ready for it. We were ready for it. I'm going to give you final word on this. I'm going to give you final word on the Snyder Cut, and then we'll do some closing out, okay? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen of the jury, no, I'm not even going to get 
not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> no, uh, my, my closing argument um, is just going to be uh, more violence and F-bombs in superhero movies, please. Well, true, but you have Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, Deadpool, Deadpool 2, Logan. I mean, it's not like they don't exist. I mean, more the the mainstream. The like, if the Avengers added a couple well bombs, I think it would make it even better in my mind. Yeah, I could see it. Well, I mean, one of them that would probably do that is dead. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think fair. of who. Yeah, I'm trying to think of which ones would do that. Maybe Spider Man at some point. Maybe you know Venom. If you get Venom in there, then I'm sure that'll happen. Oh, that could that could be good. Yeah. So that's that's or Car- Carnage. Carnage. Carnage, Carnage yes. for sure. Yeah. Now. I don't think that new Venom movie is going to be any good because the first one was absolute garbage. And I am a huge Venom fan, but I, that movie was terrible. I, I am, I have my concerns with it. Um, I, I'm actually a, a huge Carnage fan. Yes, me too. Never really liked Venom that much, but like Carnage was always kind of like my go-to, go-to villain uh, when I was younger and. Very, very excited for that, but also very worried going in cautiously optimistic. <laughs> okay. I guess that's a good way to be then. That is that is a good way to be. Well, look, I came into this conversation like hell bent on making you cry. But then talking talking to you, I remember you're a good guy and I didn't want to do that. So I'm sure people are like, oh, Ian pulled his punches and stuff. But I like I like having an actual discussion with somebody especially someone who doesn't always have the same opinion as me. Like that does not make me, you know, upset. I've had this, uh, this kind of thing with people before where I've said, like, I make fun of a lot of different bands because they do funny, goofy shit. If you were to right now, Tyler, make fun of my favorite band or my favorite movie, for instance, if it's, if it's, you know, has some kind of humor to it, then I'm not going to have a problem with it. Your opinion on something does not change my opinion on something. And I would hope it would be the same for you as well. Just because I don't like the Zack Snyder cut doesn't mean I want you to change your opinion. I think you'd be a much better person if that were the case. <laughs> yeah, man. I, like, I, I think it's like it's the healthy, the healthy dialogue that, that keeps everybody moving. And, yeah. you know, I, I believe that in so many, so many facets of life that if people would just sit down and talk to each other about a differing opinion. Um, this is, this is my soapbox moment, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I, I feel like if so many people would just talk to each other, um, you know, those differences don't, don't make us, you know, yeah. Liverpool lost to Burnley at home and Ashley Barnes is amazing. And, (laughs) you know, it was pretty much pretty, (laughs) Mike cut off, Mike cut off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that was not in the approved list of questions and answers. Okay. Yeah, we script this whole <laughs> um, entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man. It it like, you know, we can have fun with it, man. And like, yeah. you know, you may hate you may hate a movie. I may hate a movie. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. It's entertainment, and you know, I think that's ultimately the biggest credit to the Snyder Cut is it came out almost a month ago, and we're still sitting here talking about it, much to your chagrin. I see those fucking commercials on HBO Max all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, look. PTSD. uh, Seriously. Honestly. So we're coming to the end of the show. I do want to wrap things up by finishing up with some music. I do want to ask you. So, you know, you said you guys went on hiatus as a band and then you put out Party With A Purpose. Are you guys currently working 
on any new music right now? Um, absolutely not. Um, okay. we have, uh, we have been just kind of, kind of living our lives, man. Um, you know, and, and I think that with us, we're, we've always been really, you know, everything we've written has been really authentic and, mm -hmm. and it comes from, it comes from a really honest place. And I think, um, you know, for us, you know, in our, our early twenties, we were traveling and touring and playing shows and worried about record labels and management deals and and everything else like that and uh i, I think we all just needed a, a breather and uh sure. you know i think uh i don't want to i don't want to put a stamp on anything without the rest of the band being on here but you know i i think uh you know we're gonna have something to say pretty soon and uh and we'll definitely be back to say it okay all right i like i like that for everyone just so you know if you want to listen to some take the fall you can hear on Spotify, they have Heroes and Underdogs, and they have Party with a Purpose. If you want to go even farther back, you can go on Bandcamp, and you can find It's Not the End of the World EP. And that's fun, because you can hear Ashley's super, super thick Southern accent. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that intro track? I do remember the intro track. Yes, I do. There you go. We, we got we to gotta get out there. Yes, exactly. Hey, that was good. That was good. So. Big shout out to, to Aaron, Dallas, and Ashley. I actually, I've never had Dallas on the show, but we've actually talked a lot over the years. You know, we go back and forth on, you know, different opinions on bands and movies and stuff like that. And obviously, I am still waiting for the time that I can date Ashley because I'm never going to watch a Disney movie until we go out on our first date. Yeah, uh, that uh, Finding Dory, she's still waiting, man. I have to move down to North Carolina. <laughs> or we or we'll, or she'll make a trip up to Boston, one of the two. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get you guys out. to see Finding Dory. There. <laughs> I can't wait. It's it's got to be a million times better than the Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, a movie about a talking fish with Ellen DeGeneres, you, you can't really go wrong. You can't. You can't. All right. Well, Tyler man, this was a lot of fun catching up. I really appreciate it. Stay on the line. We'll talk a little bit off air, but I do want to check just in case, besides checking your music out on Spotify or, you know, Apple Music or whatever, is there any other way that people can support you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're pretty much every, um, everywhere that's streaming, um, YouTube, you know, iTunes, everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, you know, just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be making some posts here in the future and hopefully... Uh, we had some we had some shows planned and lined up. Um, we did a a little reunion show kind of back in 2019 yep. before all the pandemic stuff, and uh, you know got back together and and played a cover set and and had a lot of fun with it. So we're gonna be trying to to sort of get stuff back together and um, you know see where we're at. And you know right now we're just having fun and uh, we wanted to get these songs out for everybody and. Um, you know, let party party with a purpose, see the light of day. And, uh, and you know, we're kind of living with no agenda at the moment. So, uh, yeah, you know, stream it, share it with your friends, you know, check out our video on YouTube for uh, secrets. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you really like it, you probably have as bad a taste as I do in movies. <laughs> Damn it. That means I have bad taste. Fuck. Nailed it. This is all played against me. It's all been against <laughs> me. Well, man, once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's a lot of fun. I, yeah, man, really, honestly, I think that's the best way to put it. And I will definitely have you on the show. Maybe we'll pick a movie someday 
and we'll do it that way. We'll do an Ian Hates movies. How's that sound? Sounds great, man. I'm excited for it. Awesome, man. We'll continue to stay safe and healthy. Good luck in work. I know life can be a real pain sometimes, but thank you for doing this once again, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. Have a good one.